Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers. And we don't care about anything else. Let's go. All right. Hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Thursday, September 28th, one day after you heard from me last time, and I'm back. I won't be back after this episode until Wednesday, so, you know, six days from now when we'll preview the Packers game against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. First, we have to talk about this game. I mean, the Packers basically got their ass handed to them in this game. That's sort of the the reality of what went down. Packers end up falling to the Detroit Lions by a score of 34 to 20. Looked a lot worse in the first half. It was 27 to 3 to end that half. Lions end up putting up another touchdown. Packers end up putting up another two touchdowns So and a field goal. So, I mean, do with that what you will. Just in general, a bad game. Before we dive into the game... Let's talk about some of the news that we got before the game, because there was quite a bit of it. The first thing, probably the biggest thing, David Bakhtiari to the IR. So that's the first thing we learned. And then we got an update a couple hours later that he not only been placed on IR, but he underwent one surgery yesterday and has another surgery scheduled in, you know, a week or so. The surgeries ideally are going to allow him to play at full strength in 2024, though. I mean, he's had surgeries at this point. We basically don't know what the situation is going to be with his knee. It's pretty clear it didn't respond well after week one. He was first questionable against Atlanta, then ruled out pretty quickly against Saints, the Saints last week, and now ruled out this week, put on IR, and out for the season at this point. So his year's done. It's going to be Rasheed Walker the rest of the way for Green Bay. Just a super tough blow for David. I mean, he battled last year. I said it on Wednesday. It seemed like they'd found a way of working with him last year, but the knee just flared up again, and now you're kind of dealing with with this. Um, on the plus side, well, to a degree, you're going to get to see Rasheed Walker, and you're probably going to get to have a sense of whether or not he's the left tackle of the future. Played, you know, not so well in Atlanta, though. He was used poorly, played quite well against New Orleans last week, and then struggled this week I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there but that's the that's the that was probably the the biggest news the news on David other news pre-game Jones Watson Zach Tom and Carrington Valentine were all active doesn't quite bring the offense to full strength David's out now so it's never really technically going to be at full strength Elton also out though so the line definitely not at full strength but awesome to have all of those guys Aaron Jones and Christian Watson were both pretty clearly on snap counts. Watson had two catches in this game, was on the field maybe 60% of the drives. That seems right. Something like six out of 10 of the drives had a nice catch over the middle and a grab for a touchdown. But other than that, didn't really see much action. Aaron Jones also did not see much action, had two carries to end the first half. I want to say he had, you know, a couple passes thrown to him and then maybe another two carries in the second half. So not much action, clearly on pitch counts for both of those guys. Zach Tom, he came back. He played well, uh, not great. Definitely probably his worst performance of the year, but that's not saying that much because he's played really, really, really well this year. And then Carrington Valentine, he was in, but he ended up being benched, it seemed, for Corey Valentine. So 
That's sort of what happened there. Jair was inactive. I guess the hope with Jair, he was limited twice this week, or the estimation estimation was that he would be limited twice this week, so hopefully he can get healthy next week and match up against Devontae on Monday Night Football. The Packers, with uh, Jair out, brought up both cornerback Corey Ballantyne and cornerback Keandre Thomas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both those guys were elevated from the practice squad. Basically told us before we knew that Jair was inactive that something would def one of the cornerbacks, Carrington or Jair, would be inactive, and then that's kind of what you, the news you got pregame. Um, now, let's talk about the game. In that first half, pardon my language, the Packers got bitched up front. The offense, defense, it really didn't matter. The Packers got their ass handed to them. And remember on Wednesday how I said this game would be won in the trenches, that the Packers do well with their offensive line, their defensive line, they have a good chance in this game. If they don't, I don't see them winning. Well, they didn't, and they didn't win. The Lions won hands down in the trenches early on, and that led to their 14-3 lead at the end of the first quarter. It led to their 27-3 lead at the end of the first half. And aside from the Packers' good first defensive series, they got one three and out. After that, it basically all went out the window. They got run all over in the series that followed. Their lone stops against the run came from some player getting quick penetration, whether it was TJ Slayton, Kingsley and Agbari, Quay Walker hitting his gaps. I mean, aside from those guys making some nice plays, the Packers defense was not playing well up front, got murdered by the Detroit Lions in the running game. And you thought, well, that's pretty bad. Guess what? The Packers' offensive line fared even worse. No success whatsoever. Detroit took advantage of the interior offensive line to a major degree. They terrorized Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and John Runyon Jr. The first three drives for the Packers ended in three and outs. The first two ended up getting to third and 19 and third and 16. So first play for the Packers basically goes nowhere. Jordan gets sacked next play. Third and 19. And then on the second drive, similar thing. Drive ended up being third and 16 after Love got sacked and they had to go three and out. And then on that third drive, Packers were in, you know, third and three or so. Seemed like they could do something and Love missed a pretty wide open Romeo Dobbs with Runyon giving up a near instant pressure. Love in those first three drives was pressured on five of seven dropbacks through ESPN stats. I mean, Jesus, it's just, it's so tough to win when you're losing up front, and I mean, the Packers pretty much displayed that in this game, down 27-3 to at half. The the main bright spot, the lone bright spot, really, in a sea of negativity through the first 20 minutes of the game was, was Quay Walker. He was flying around, he was hitting gaps, he was making hard, making aggressive tackles, and we talked in the pregame about how important Quay would be in run defense, and he was money today. It's really just everyone else that was the problem. Quay looked really, really awesome. While we're being positive, I also shout out Daniel Whelan. Had some very nice punts, and trust me, he got plenty of opportunities to punt in this game. Just sort of to wrap up the first half, everything was bad. Matt's play calling was bad. Love was under pressure plenty, but he missed a couple of throws, had a bad read. Um, one to Dobbs, where he sort of looked Dobbs off on an in for no apparent reason. Aaron Jones got just two touches. The offensive line was getting whoop-whooped. Defensive line was unable to finish anything when they got pressure, and then against the run were just kind of getting their faces bashed in, and the secondary couldn't tackle very well, and guess what? Soft zone coverage, it's going to be the death of me. 
So the Packers trailing 27 to three and a half, and it kind of looked like it. I think the best way to summarize it maybe is that the Lions had 27 points at half. So defensively not great from the Packers. The Packers had 20 yards of offense. I mean, that tells you how bad the defense was, how bad the offense was. In the second half, the Packers showed some fight. And fight is a big thing in this league. And I'll, I'm, I'll tell you one thing for sure. This young Packers team does not quit. They were down 27 to 3. They had every possible reason and every chance to quit. And they didn't. Now, they did not complete any sort of comeback. But they didn't give up. They stayed with whatever it is. They stayed with it. And they found a way to make it a ball game. They came out of the half. They got, you know, big completion of Christian Watson gets them going. And then they're able to punch their first drive in for a touchdown to Christian Watson. Come out of the half again. End up, I think they go three and out the next drive, but then come out the next drive. Jordan Love completes a massive deep ball to Jaden Reed, and they're able to punch in another touchdown there on a QB draw. So, you know, not too much praise deserves to be heaped on the Packers, but definitely, definitely uh, some fight showing from the Packers. And, you know, after last week, I guess it's nice to see. Well, they showed a lot of it last week. You show it again. There's fight in this team. Quay Walker... This is the other big note from the second half. It seemed like the Packers had a chance to come back. The Lions were going to kick a field goal with eight minutes left in the fourth to make it a 13-point game. Packers would have, you know, had a chance to go down, score a touchdown, and then with four minutes left, one defensive stop, they're able to go back down, tie the game. And Quay's been awesome. But he jumped over the line on the field goal, and that tends not to be a flag if you don't touch the line. Quay, jumping over the line in an attempt to block the field goal, tipped one of the blockers on the back with his toe. That led to a flag and an automatic first down for the Lions, a back-breaking penalty for Green Bay that ended any sort of comeback hopes. And it's hard to be too angry with Quay, not only because of how kind of stupid that flag is, but because of how well he played in that game. But it's a pretty dumb penalty. And I don't really want to talk too much about Quay in this. I want to talk about special teams because there has been a ridiculous lack of discipline on special teams the past two weeks, and that's on coaching. From the punt return touchdown last week to numerous false starts the past two weeks to Nixon struggling in kick returns and then this penalty, it's hard not to be too annoyed with Rich Bisaccia. The fact that this team, they've seemingly put more and more effort year over year into special teams. They're keeping specialists on the team for special teams purposes. Zane Anderson, he doesn't do anything but play special teams. Dallin Levitt is the ultimate all-I-do-is-play-special-teams guy, and yet the result ends up being the exact same for the Packers. They suck on special teams, and it's a perfect example of the more things change, the more they stay the same. Man, you want better out of special teams. Cost them plenty of times over the past two years, three years, and cost them a little bit in this game, right? So, yeah, just tough in general. The Packers, they showed some fight in that second half, but ultimately ended up falling 34-20. to 20, And that takes me into my offensive notes. The first offensive note is, I mean, this was probably the worst half of the season from everyone. For Matt LaFleur, yes, the offensive line was getting whooped, and that's not on Matt. I mean, you can't really do much about that, right? You have to put players out there. But he did nothing to help that offense in the first half. And I understand that it's hard because it's, you know, it's tough to throw the ball when you're getting whipped the way they were. But maybe run the ball a little bit more to take some of the heat off Jordan Love or design some quick passes to Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs 
Green Bay did none of that. It's super difficult to call a game when you're getting whooped, but Matt could have done a better job of trying literally anything. You could have run the ball maybe more, maybe ran a short pitch to Aaron Jones on the outside more. I know I said toss the short pitches into the sun with Aaron Jones. They tend to work a little bit better than with A.J. Dillon. Maybe you could have dialed up some more quick passes. You're running, you know, maybe an RPO to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson where Jordan makes a quick read, gets a ball out of his hands and picks up five, six yards. Or he could have started to go tempo. That's something Kurt Benkert was suggesting a lot on Twitter, right? Kurt Benkert, ex-Packers quarterback or third string quarterback, go tempo, find ways to get the receivers open that way, let Jordan hit those quick throws, get him in a rhythm and get things going that way. Matt did none of that. It was just static. We can't go under center. We can't run the ball. Let's spread it out and let's try to do something and nothing happened. On Jordan Love, I'm not going to put too much blame on Jordan for that first half because he got sacked four times. He was mauled. But there was one pretty bad turn down of Dobbs. Dobbs, so Dobbs, it was on first down, I want to say, maybe second down. Dobbs was running an in route on the left side. Love looked at him. When Dobbs was just coming out of his break on the end, he was open. There wasn't really a guy very close. Now, the cornerback was breaking on it, but he wasn't very close. Love looked at it, looked away for some reason, and then by the time he'd come back, I mean, the play was sort of out of there. Love had to turn around. There was pressure in his face, and he got sacked. A bad turn down there. That's one play you don't want to turn down to Romeo Dobbs. And then there were, you know, a couple not great throws. He was a little bit late on an out route to Watson. He, the big miss was one to Romeo Dobbs being wide open over the middle. Um, But, you know, on the whole, it's hard to put a lot of blame on Jordan. It was probably the most unsure we've seen him look all season. But, I mean, in his defense, he had pressure in his face and things started picking up as the game went along. It's hard, it's hard to get too angry, but probably the worst worst half we've seen, or almost certainly the worst half we've seen from Jordan all year. On the offensive line, there's not much to say except holy cow. There, I'm not sure there was one player on the line that actually played well. If the interior line had played awesome, then the performances of Rasheed Walker and especially Zach Tom would have been acceptable. You would have said, okay, you know, it's not devastating, it's not backbreaking because, yeah, the tackles played, you know, okay to eh, but the interior offensive line played great. The issue was the tackles played by far the best, and they didn't play so well because the interior offensive line, it was getting whooped. It was all around bad from that interior. Royce Newman, I cannot express how often he got beat. The Detroit just kept moving. They said Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, he's he's really good on the outside. He's He's been doing okay versus Zach Tom versus Rasheed Walker. But what if we move him on the inside and line him up against Royce Newman? And guess what? They did that, and it worked. Royce Newman was getting beat consistently by Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, an edge rusher working inside, beat Royce Newman. Aiden Hutchinson also kind of demolished John Runyon Jr., who did not play well. Not a great game from John Runyon Jr. Then Josh Myers, who he's been fine in pass pro this year, honestly, maybe even good in pass pro this year, not so great in this game. So I I think it's just, it's honestly hard to express how consistently that offensive line got whooped. You definitely understand what I'm talking about if you were watching that game, because there were so many times where Jordan had to stand in that pocket you know, he goes through his first read and one and a half seconds after the snap, he, there's a guy bearing down on him a step or two from throwing him on his ass. 
So the offensive line, by far their worst half of the year, just horrible. Now, my first offensive note is that, you know, worst half of the year from pretty much all parties. Second note is that they bounced back, and it wasn't to the same degree as last week, but the offense came back and made this a football game. And a lot of people say Jordan Love, he's a lot better in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, look at this. Look at this game. Look at last last week's game. I'm not sure that I would say that. I think a better way of saying that would be that the pieces around Love seem to play a whole hell of a lot better in the third and fourth quarter. And in this game especially, I think it was the offensive line. They blocked a hell of a lot better in the second half, and that pretty much led to the offensive success because it wasn't like receivers were getting a lot more open in the second half. It wasn't really like Matt did a huge amount to find ways to get the offense into a rhythm in that second half. And it wasn't like Jordan looked a whole lot better in that second half. He looked pretty much the same all game long. He looked fine like he's looked all season. He looked good like he's looked all season. But the offensive line was blocking, and that meant Jordan actually had time to get through more than one read and find receivers. He was able to step up in the pocket and hit a massive, super pretty deep ball to Jaden Reed, one of his best throws of the year, an incredible ball. There, he was able to step up in the pocket and find Christian Watson over the middle. He was able to run the offense the way it's designed to be run. And that was by far the biggest part of this offensive resurgent in the first half. The line sucked. Matt failed to scheme around it. The result was three offensive points. Really, it should have been zero because those three points came off, came off a turnover that the Lions gifted to the defense. In the second half, the receivers, they were winning, and Jordan actually had time to find them winning on their routes because the offensive line was blocking. So, yeah. The offensive line bounced back, and I guess that's something to to look at and be proud of. Defensive notes. The biggest note has to be how badly they got whooped up front, and Matt talked about it after the game. He said, something's got to change. Hell yeah, something has to change. And we'll talk about Joe Barry in a second, but the players also didn't play well enough. The one guy who looked good along that line was Rashawn Gary, and everyone else was nowhere to be found. Kenny got doubled and pretty much wiped out of the game. Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton had, you know, maybe one nice play each against the run. And other than that, I mean, they were good against the pass, but not so good against the run. And just in general, every single run saw the Packers getting sealed off on the edge and blocked into oblivion. David Montgomery walked into the end zone essentially untouched twice. It was an embarrassing performance up front from the Packers in the first half. And then even in the second half, when the game was somehow some way on the line the Packers could not stop the run Ben Johnson realized hey I can just run it at them and they can't stop it and that's what he did and the Packers just gave up first down after first down after first down players weren't playing well enough and look that's a lot of it guys aren't getting off their blocks fast enough they're really good against the pass Devontae Wyatt he's getting pressure Carl Brooks is so good against the pass Kenny Clark is Kenny Clark but they can't do the run defense that they need to be able to do and Joe Barry just refuses to adjust he keeps throwing his light six-man boxes out there and every year it's the exact same story the defense gets pounded on the ground and I, at this point I'm really not quite sure what has to change but I'll tell you what something <laughs> has to change and we're gonna have to see what that is the second defensive note was the pass rush I mean the pass rush looks good it looks really legitimate they have guys all over the 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 defensive front thing and pass rush. Rashawn Gary's obviously a stud. Lucas Van Ness had some nice pressures today. Carl Brooks is looking awesome. Devontae Wyatt, 
I mean, he's flashing. Kenny Clark is Kenny Clark. And yeah, the issue, the big issue is that you might have a lot of guys that can get pressure, but you rarely give them the opportunity to get pressure when you're getting run all over. So yeah, the pass rush looks good and it's tough for Joe Barry to mess that up, but somehow they find a way to. That's that's pretty much what I have on the defense. That'll bring me to my players to watch. The first, Luke Musgrave. Yeah, I mean, L with Luke Musgrave. He got a concussion, ended up being ruled out. He caught, I think, one pass in this game, which was a left-handed toss from Jordan Love. I mean, yeah, that's an L. So that draws me down to two and five on the year. And then Rashawn Gary, he did get a sack later on in the game and looked really good all night, but didn't wreak the havoc that he could have, especially because... The Packers were getting whooped on the ground, and it's tough to get sacks when you rarely have the opportunity to pass rush. So I'm going to give myself the L here, though it is close for Sean Gary. Really one of the lone bright spots on that defense, aside uh, along with Quay Walker. So two and six on the year in terms of players to watch. It's kind of how, how it works, right? When the Packers play well, you do better in players to watch when they don't. You don't, and I'm two and six on the year. I want to end this out with sort of looking at where we can go from here. Because this is this is an interesting point in the season. We're four weeks in now. We've seen plenty of good and we've seen plenty of bad. The Packers went from mauling the Chicago Bears in Chicago to playing really well for three quarters against Atlanta to choking in the fourth quarter against Atlanta to playing poorly, horribly for three quarters against the Saints to dominating one last quarter against the Saints to looking horrible for three quarters against the for two quarters against the Lions and then looking really good for a quarter against the Lions and then looking eh, meh in that fourth quarter against the Lions. So really nothing's evening out. It's just up and down and up and down. It's a, you know, it's a polynomial to the factor of five or six, right? Just up and down, up and down, so many bumps. And it's basically, screw the polynomial analogy. It's a, it's a sine function, up and down, up and down, up and down. That's kind of where we're at, where we're at at this point with this team. And so I want to look at where they can go from here, because specifically on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, I think, I think the thing is you have to fire Joe Barry, right? I mean, I'm not sure what else your takeaway can be. Joe Barry is not able to do anything to elevate this team. Yeah, players aren't performing awesome. And that's something the Packers are going to have to look at, especially from a run defense standpoint. But Joe Barry refuses to take away something that an offense does well against Atlanta. He didn't take away the run against the Lions. He didn't take away the run. He's not willing to commit to anything. It feels like it's the same vanilla scheme every single snap. And this is kind of what you get. You get a 30, 30 burger from the Lions. This is kind of where we're at with Joe Barry. And it's uninspiring defense. So. I think you fire Joe Barry. We'll see where this season takes you. Joe Barry's defense plays well enough with the Packers' talent to, you know, not lose you 16 games, but definitely not win you 13. And you're going to settle somewhere in the middle from a defensive standpoint. It's going to be the offense that determines really how many wins the Packers have this season. And that's what I want to talk about quickly now to end it out, where they go from here. Because the Packers lost this game simply because they got whooped up front. They did not lose it because Jordan Love threw two interceptions. They didn't lose it because of the receivers. They lost it because their offensive line was worse than the Detroit Lions. And now it's time to get things corrected. You're going to have to sort two things out in my mind. The first thing is you have to sort things out up front. Maybe you get Elton healthy by the time next Monday rolls around and you're able to, you know, scoot Royce Newman and Sean Ryan off and to the side. And that'll definitely help things out up front. You're maybe 
not going to have Elton healthy, but you should probably be looking at whether Royce Newman's starting, whether Sean Ryan's starting. Something needs to get sorted out up front so you don't have another version of, of this game, though. To be fair, the Vegas pass rush is definitely nowhere near as lethal as the Detroit pass rush. That's the first thing that needs to get sorted out. Sort things out up front so that Jordan, despite this being probably his toughest start yet, doesn't have to throw from his ass. And I, I think Matt said something to that degree, too. He summed up when asked about Jordan. He said, quote, it's hard to throw on your back. Yeah, it's true. So sort things out up front. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, and Matt kind of said it today, too, right after the game, they need to find a quote unquote normal offense. And that's how Matt said it. I would say, and this is how I interpreted Matt's quote, I say that Packers need to find an identity. In 2020, their identity was running the ball and running play action off of it. They ran the ball damn well that year, and they ran play action damn well off of it, and that worked. If that's not going to work this year, fine. I mean, it doesn't seem like the running game is going to work, but they need to find some sort of identity. Whether it is, were an offense built with all these fun playmakers, our identity is going to be getting the ball into their hands, and Matt's just going to come up with creative way after creative way after creative way of getting the ball into their hands. They need to do that, but that's not exactly what they've been doing so far. They've been saying Jordan drop back, and Jordan get the ball into the playmaker's hands. No, Matt, you should be getting the ball into the playmaker's hands, whether it's maybe something else. Maybe it's working backwards, Matt using the pass to set up the run, getting things going that way. He needs to find something that is getting defenses off balance because big plays right now tend to be coming from individual instances of Matt scheming a guy open where it's this one play where Matt and Matt's doing it a lot to be fair, but it's, you know, a one-off of Matt using a really awesome play design to get a guy open wide open in the flat for a conversion like he did with Watson for the touchdown this game, right? Just ran Watson on a simple route in the flat right into the corner of the end zone wide open. Nobody even near him. Jordan found him for a touchdown Things like that are the ways we're getting plays right now. And then sometimes a player making a massive play. Jaden Reed's made massive plays in back-to-back weeks. Jordan's made some nice plays. But there's not too much of a rhythm on offense. And we need to find something like that. We need to find just ways of keeping the defense off balance so that it's not all, this play has to work really well. and Or, or this player has to really come up with a play here. We need to find an identity, something where Matt's like, okay, our identity is we're going to run all these short concepts to our big receivers. Jaden Reed's getting up the field for five yards. Christian's getting up the field for seven, 10, 15 yards. And then off of that, oh, hey, the defense is, is expecting this play. Well, now we can run the ball off of that. And the defense is always off balance. The defense is always kept guessing. And boom, you're finding offensive success. We need to find something like that. We need to find some sort of identity. We'll talk about it a little bit more during the bye week, but... For now, they have a short buy. Maybe they can sort some things out there. Something's, something's going to need to happen, and this is a year of experiments. We're seeing experiments, but that's sort of where we're at with the offense, and that's, that's what you should be looking for. How do the Packers find an offense? And how, specifically, how do they find an identity on offense? And that's, that's what I'm looking for. So that's what I have for you in this game. Take some time off. Take the week and a half off. Enjoy not having to watch the Packers though it's it's tough you always want to watch the Packers and you know take some time enjoy it that's what I have for you today as always thank you very 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 much for listening to dedicated Packers I will be back I said it next Wednesday until next time have some fun drink 
whatever beverage you want, drink some Coke, drink some beer, have a nice time. And next Wednesday, when next Wednesday rolls around, we're going to talk about the Vegas game. And hopefully the Packers are going to look at the film from this game and think we're going to find a way to improve. And that's really all you can hope for at this point. So that's what I have for you. Remember, as always, whether they're three and one, four and oh, two and two, one and two or oh and four, the big thing to remember is Go Pack Go!